Are you looking for a new pattern for your life? If this is true, it could be that you first need a new person leading your life. Stay tuned to this message and discover how to follow a new person in what Scripture calls a no longer I life. Here's what he says, chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, my footnote in my Bible says it's okay to translate it like this, brothers and sisters. So I'm going to do it that way, brothers and sisters. If anyone is caught in any transgression, now here's where I want to hang my hat for just a moment. After the comma, you who are spiritual, are there any people in this room? Now, don't raise your hand or say amen because others may think that you're being proud, but I'm asking you in a silent inside response, are you spiritual? You see, the Bible tells us that we all came into this world not being spiritual. Now, we may be a small S spiritual, grew up in a home where that they went to church. You'd be spiritual. You might have grown up in Egypt or some part of the world where they took you to, to a mosque. They would say that you are spiritual. Others of us maybe went to vacation Bible school or you may get to go to it now. And, and because of your connection, you might have been in a baptistry somewhere like ours. And, or you may be on a staff like Pastor Chris and I right now. And you may consider yourself small S spiritual. But here the Apostle Paul, after having spent five chapters with us, getting us to this place, he says this. He makes the statement to those people. He says, you who are spiritual. Now, we began this life, we must admit it, without being spiritual, even though with a capital S, we didn't have God's Spirit. Ephesians says, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, we were born in our trespasses and our sins. We were without God. We were one undone. We were following the course of this world. Galatians 1 and 4 said, but Jesus came to the rescue. Hallelujah. And for those, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16, who realize that no man can be right with God, small spiritual. But it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're justified by faith. So when we surrender our lives to Christ, seeing our need of him, he goes before the Father, we become justified because of him, and then we all have this regeneration that comes through the Spirit of God. Now look on the screen, John chapter 6 and verse 63, our Lord said this, it is the Spirit that gives life. But your flesh profits nothing. You say, wait a minute, it says no help at all. Same translation. When you look at your life, now watch this. Ask yourself this question today. Please, will you? Are you spiritual? Now, those of us in the service who, who stood there like this, some others who were doing like this, like me, I can't help it. I mean, uh, I, I can't help it. I get excited a lot of times. I got excited Monday night at some little game they had. I got excited yesterday when, when Kentucky just beat, beat uh, uh, Tennessee, I think so it was. And, and John was far more, but, but, and I was a little bit spiritual, small is. So some of you standing here today, you, you did like this, and others may wrongly judge you and say you're not spiritual. Others of you that doing like this, you may say, I'm, I'm spiritual. Well, what, is that a large S or a small spirit? You say, well, preacher, I'm not following you. Well, I, I'm trying to follow the Holy Spirit right now and to work into your heart because when you come to know Christ, the Bible says this, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, you've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. That means this, that you've abandoned the way that you lived your life pre-Christ, and now you are chasing God. You are dependent upon him. And the life that you now live, you live by faith in God. Watch this, you've come to faith. 
You now want to focus your life on following God, and then you want to follow through. We talked about that last week. If you look in your Bible down in Galatians chapter 5 and, and verse 25, you'll find these words. He says, if we live by the Spirit. So I know this. When Paul writes in chapter 6, he says, if you are spiritual. Michael, that means if you have the Spirit. So let's back out a minute. Instead of asking, are you spiritual? Look in that mirror now, and do you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead who came out at the invitation of God the Son who said, I need somebody to represent me there, the Spirit, the Trinity. I can't explain it all. There's God the Father who is Yahweh God, who, who is Jehovah God, who, who's Elohim God. He's the El Shaddai God who sent his son Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior, God, the God-man. He came and lived, died, was buried, rose again at the right hand of God the Father, has the Holy Spirit. I can't explain it all, but I believe it all. He says, Jesus died for you, the Spirit lives in you. So if you live, if you, if you can say, I have the Spirit, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. So this is leading me here now to say this, that if you are born again and have the Spirit, there's a follow-through that you've got to do to stay in step with that which you say you have inside of you. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I get ahead of Sherry when we're walking. There's several reasons for that. Number one is this, I'm a lot taller than her and my stride is much quicker than hers. But not only that, I, I, I'm wrongly sometimes, sometimes rightly, I, I'm a point A to point B person. Anybody else? I, I miss the roses. I miss everything else. I mean, if you say we're going to go 4.9 miles, guess what? I've already got myself worked up for it. I'm going 4.9 miles. I don't think about anybody else around me. I don't think about there's a two-year-old child that would be behind me that somebody else is dragging. I'm going to the goal. Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit gifts you at the moment that you receive him with gifts and talents so that you might watch this in the way he directs your steps for you to walk. So let me back on out and say this. Look in the mirror. Do you have the Holy Spirit? And are you stepping at the pace he set for you? You say, I don't understand. Well, I'm talking about today in the message in this series, I'm talking about Christianity outside the trenches. Here's what happens in your life. If you are keeping in step with the Spirit, you will be able to live your life outside the trenches of this world, and you'll be able to minister in the trenches, and you'll be successful. But here's, you say, why do you use the word trench here? I'm glad you asked, because I'm a historian in some sense. In the World War I, in Belgium, as the war was going on, they were killing each other. They had nowhere to hide in the open field, so they began to dig trenches. They began to dig trenches, and they would dig these long trenches, and they would sometimes be uh, 300 yards from each other, sometimes a half a mile from each other, and they would get down in the trenches, and they would wait for that moment to go up and do battle. They call the place on top no man's land. Some of you live your life in no man's land. You're in a place right now in your life, you may call it cancer, you may call it depression, you may call whatever it is that you are, you're in this world, you're in no man's land, and you live your life to get off of that thing. You go to work in the day, it's no man's land, and all these things are being hurled at you by the enemy in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, and that's where you are. You live your life. You work 60, 80 hours a week, or you find yourself battling all the time. You smile to people, but the truth is you're in, you are, watch this, entrenched warfare. If you know anything about the trenches in that day, and I'm quoting for a particular article, trenches, they became trash dumps of war. If you were down in one, you would think it's a place of safety, but it actually was not. You could catch trench foot and die. Not only that, in there, there was broken ammunition boxes, empty cartridges, torn uniforms, shattered helmets, soul bandages, shrapnel balls, bone fragments, people lying around you dead. 
I believe today that there's enough going on in America today that if churches are not careful and Christians are not careful, God intends you to live your life, watch this, if you have the Spirit and you are spiritual, in victory with Him, keeping in step. But if not, you will live your life in the trenches and you'll call ministry the no man's land. But God doesn't intend, your family is not a no man's land. It is your opportunity. This community is not no man's land. It is your opportunity. If you're a pastor in this room or you're a deacon in this room, this ministry is your opportunity. It is not the no man's land, and you don't need to live in the trenches, but you have to answer the question today, are you spiritual? If you're a mom or a dad, if you are a grandparent, if you're single, married, whatever you're divorcing, whatever you are, you're going to have to come to a place that you answer the question, am I spiritual? Because spiritual people have a ministry that they have where they go down into the trenches for a specific purpose. And while they're down there on this earth, just like Jesus who came to our rescue, we go to people's rescue. But if we cannot rescue ourselves, if we are down in the trench and we are being beaten down and worn down, then we can't minister to anybody else. We can smile and act like it, and we can say we're a daddy, we can say we're a mama, but on the inside we're churning, and eventually we will wear out. And Paul said this. He said, if you have the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And he points us to, now watch this. He points us to three particular things. And you're going to say, I already know these, but look on the screen. Let me just say this to you really quickly as it comes on the screen. You may understand what to do, but understanding what to do and undertaking, excuse me, understanding what to do and undertaking what to do can be two different things. You can say, I know this is what needs to be done, but undertaking it, now watch it, coming up under it. Yesterday, Don and those guys were, were taking those pieces of log that they'd sawn on those pine trees, and I kept looking for a small one. Don, where are you? Y'all cut them things too big. Now I'm a low lazy preacher. So I went, I went, I kind of kicked one. Willie was pushing one out of the way, and I thought, if Don can do it, I can do it. That was the worst mistake of my life. Undertaking something and understanding it are two different things. Some of you can look at someone else in the family of God and say, well, they can do it, I can do it. Understanding and undertaking are different. The church that I served under, Dr. Jerry Falwell, you've heard me talk about it before. One of the pastors had five special needs children, all born to his wife. You see, there was, I could understand that God works in faith, but I couldn't undertake it, and God knew it, so he gave them over to this man and his wife who could. Can I tell you today that what you're going through is not your obstacle, it is your opportunity, but you cannot do it if it's you are in a small S and not in a large S spiritual. So three things that you're called to do as we think about the number one is this, you must focus on the ministry, now notice this, of restoration. He begins with this illustration in chapter 6, and he says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught, say the word caught. Now I know that you and I can look at this in the wrong way. We, we can say that, that somebody was living a lifestyle and it just, we, it, we were the ones who caught them. That's a legalist. I honestly don't live my life looking around to find out what's wrong. Anybody else? I really don't. I don't, I don't look at the news and say, let's find out what's bad today. I really don't with my staff. Uh, sometimes they, they, the devil whispers to them and thinks I expect more of them than I do. I expect you to do great because you're, you're God's man. I expect all of our deacons to do well because you're God's people. But the devil whispers and says, I may get caught in something. That's not your purpose. So here in the text, it says somebody in the congregation, in the Galatian church, he says, if, if, if somebody, if somebody is caught, their people that are transgressing need help. Now watch what it says here in the text. You are in verse 2 to bear their burden. 
Now, what in the world is a ministry of restoration? It's simply this. They tell us this, that, that, that the Greek scholars tell us this, that, that word restore here actually means this, and in barren, it means that you take somebody's bone that's out of joint and you reset it. Others of you today, that you'd have to say this, that you're in a place needing reset. I don't know for what reason. You've got outside the bounds of what God has for you. You may not be a child of God today. You began your life without the Lord, and today you come, and I want to tell you, you need the restoring of God. You need to be reset so you can be effective in this life for God. Others of you, you kind of walk down a path. Something happened in your path that got you away from God. There's something going on in your mind or your heart you did not intend to, but maybe you did not do our 21, uh, 21 days of fasting, but in the middle of you, you see that the new patterns we're asking you to fast for, that you've not been in the Bible, you've not been in worship, you have not been in prayer, you've not been with your family, you're not the family of God, you, you've not been service and mission. Some of you, sadly, this weekend didn't do anything for anybody else in this community. You, you, you had to be shut up in a log. I called Robert Rooks on Thursday night when I finally got cell signal. I, and when I said, Robert, how are you? He said, Preacher, I want you to know I called Don and made sure they were all right. He didn't even respond to me when I asked him because he had such a heart for his brother-in-law and his sister-in-law that here he lives in Griffin. See, there's a man that didn't walk away. Some of us maybe are just in a moment we didn't intend We tripped over something. We, we are spiritual, but we got back. and forth. You know you can go back, can I tell you? You can slaps back into the things of the world and you don't intend to do that and you can go back, but God says go forward. He says, but somebody got caught in something. And he says, you who are spiritual. Well, let me ask you, who are the spiritual people? Here, according to the word of God in Romans 8 and 6, it says, spiritual people are those who set their mind on the things of the spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? These are the people, Romans 12 and 2, who are transformed by the renewing of their mind. These are the people of James 5, 18 through 20, who will reach down and, and save a soul from hell. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Help somebody get back on the right path. Now, here is a, is a problem. If I have a little s, it probably will not be spiritual. It will be self. Holy Spirit directed that because I couldn't do that. Have you ever, ever dealt with self besides me? Am I the only self person in the room? When you, I can tell you this, when you are dealing with self, you'll always find yourself upset because self can never take care of self and self is never satisfied. Self is never satisfied. It just can't be, it just can't be, it just cannot be satisfied. The works of the flesh are against the works of the spirit. They're always in battle. So when you, when you find yourself the little s of self, you can't be a restorer. You who are spiritual should restore such a person. Now watch this, in a spirit of gentleness. Now watch this as you look in the mirror now, as I come back in, as I come in, do people say of you, you have a spirit of gentleness? Wow. Some say, yep, everybody runs over me. That's not a spirit of gentleness. A spirit of gentleness is, is, is not being a person that just lets everything go in your family, like I don't discipline my kids because I want to give them grace. That's not a spirit of gentleness. That's a spirit of foolishness. A spirit of gentleness is, watch this, it is one of the characteristics of the spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, or literally what Paul is saying, you who have the spirit and he's in control can restore someone else. You see, three things have to be in place. They're not in your notes, but they're in God's notes. You, you have to have, first of all, if somebody's going to be restored, you've got to have somebody who's willing to do the restoring. But now watch this with me for a moment. What is in your spirit right now? If you are not a restorer, God says this message for you is to that you would come into a place that the big S can lead your life. 
Now, you only need somebody that needs to be restored. You also, Brother Carrick, you need somebody that's willing to be restored. You see, listen, some people just don't want to be helped. Some people don't want you to come alongside of them. But others of us now are too much. You'd put everybody out. That's a, that's a small S too, but that's another matter. You've got to have somebody. who's doing. The Bible says this. The Bible is so clear about this. Proverbs 13 and 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You see, today, if you're struggling with this message and you find yourself struggling with whether you're spiritual or not, it may be that you need to come into a place and say to someone else, will you be my accountability? Will you be the person that says, are you reading your Bible every day? Will you be the person that makes sure I'm worshiping? Will you be the person that, that's making sure I'm praying? Will you be the person that will help me with family? Will you be the one that help me to serve and be on mission? Will you be the one that, that holds me accountable to walk in the Spirit? And listen to me, God wants that for your life. But now here's the third thing. Both the restorer and the one who needs to be restored have to get together. Now watch this. In a spirit of gentleness, you are to bear one another's burdens. It is the law of Christ. It's what Christ wants to do. It's what Christ did. He did not come alongside. He would come up to people and he would just minister to them where they are. Sometimes we find in Scripture, Mark's account we've been reading through, that he would come up. He went up to this one place. They brought this man that was both deaf and he could not speak. The Bible gives us nothing of the story except they bring him to Jesus. Jesus takes him aside, spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it in his ears and on his eyes, and the guy able to hear. And Jesus goes home. Listen to me. You, you come to this church some of you week after week and don't know the countless lives that get restored because people just care enough to do it for the glory of God. Others of you watching online, you need to get out of your house. Listen, you'll get COVID whether you're at home by yourself or church or not. You're going to get sick. I'd soon be sick with the people of God without. That's another message. Cost you nothing for coming. But I just want to encourage you to be a part of the work of God. So you want to be a restorer. But it goes on. Look at verse 3. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Now, this is kind of crazy. Like, what is this? You just told me to bear somebody's burdens, and I'm doing it now. And now you lay me low, God. Now, watch this. You can not only focus on the ministry of restoration. You must also focus on a ministry of righteousness. Now, watch this. You need to be righteous or a lifestyle of that in your walk with God. You see, pride can swell up, can it not? Pride can swell up and say, we did this or we did that. We were a part of that. And I'm going to follow that in a moment. But look in verse 4. But let each one test his own work. You see, I have, a, I have the, this thing from the devil, anybody else. He's always saying to me, what's so-and-so doing? Am I the only one? Sister, you and I, right? Amen. What's so-and-so doing over there? Where are they? What's going on with them? Why aren't they up here with me right now? I'm going to tell you this. We're going to find out an answer of that in a few minutes. But now watch this. There is a place that you are to test your own work. You must humbly come before God and look at someone else and not be proud, proud for where you are. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says this, that we all must stand at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says not think more highly of yourself than you should. The truth of the matter is if not for the grace of God, I'd be caught in something. I'd be doing something. I'd be living my life in the wrong way. But it is the grace and the mercy of God that he reached out and rescued me and filled me with his spirit. And I want to tell you, if you ever get a, a real taste of surrender to God, you won't want anything else because nothing else compares to walk, walking in the spirit and the power of God to live your life in service to a holy God. I can't explain it any better than that. Taste and see that he's good. And when you taste and see that he's good, these other things are not worth anything. You've got to be honest before God. Now watch this. Test your own work, then his reason to boast will be in himself. You'll be able to say this. Look what God's doing in my life. Now here's the deal. Most of us, listen, with a small s, jump on the bandwagon of things. I suspect that Paul was speaking to people saying that people need restoring, but he was saying to them, get in the game 
so that when you brag, you can brag on Jesus that you had a part. That's why at this church, now listen to me, we do not just say we tithe, we all tithe. And listen to me, I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying to get you in a place of blessing. There's nothing like, look what it says here down in verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. You see, all of us have this load that God's called us to do, be a part of. Now, I'm digging in here because I have to dig in here at least once a year in this particular place. The word load in verse 2 or bear in verse 2 speaks about how that you're called to come along somebody and restore them. But verse 5 here in this particular place, when you bear your load, it's relating to a different word. It's about a guy who puts a backpack on his back because God says, this is your thing to do. God didn't call some of you, many of you, to be a senior pastor of a church. So that means that what's in the backpack of my load is mine to carry. You can come along and pray for me, and boy, you do. And please never stop. You tithe and give so I, that I can minister the way that I did. Please don't ever stop because I couldn't do what I do if you didn't do what you do. There's just no way. I'm not a foolish man to go in a restaurant and think that I earned that. I did not earn that because this church cared enough to give what they had so that I could do what I do. But my load is mine to bear. That's why I'm called to do those things. And I want to be a restorer, but I'm, I'm wise enough to know this, Mark. I can't do it in the little s. It's only in the big S of the Spirit. And so wherever you are right now, if you have the ability and it is your load, some of you, if you're rich, praise God for that. Your load is to help what other people can't. All of us are called to tithe. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. All of us are called to give our time. It's not equal time. It's equal sacrifice. We're all to give our, our talents. We not all have equal talents, but we've all got equal opportunity with our talents to serve the Lord. And so we should do that through the local body of believers, whatever yours is. And I want to tell you this, when you are a restorer, you get like in humility, but you get honest like, there's more we need to be doing up here in this house. Men in this church, you ought to be the lead worshipers, not the one hiding behind. Look at all these wonderful women on this platform. The rest of you lazy dudes could be singing in or not. The women on Wednesday afternoon are leading the way. Now, if you're working, guys and gals, I, you can't be your knife school care brother. The Don Etheridge, you can't get up here at 3 o'clock. There ain't no way because you're ministering out there. And others, and Chuck, you guys can't. We know that. We understand those of you ladies that are working. You're, you're ministering out there. But there needs to be men that are leading the way in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not hiding behind the door but out in front of the door. Don't make your wife have to lead. You lead like you're supposed to be under the authority of God. You're not the leader, sir. God's the leader. You just got your position. Carry your backpack. College kids in this room, lead the way. Be the ones who lead the way. Students, lead the way. When you go into your school, you got the load. That's what God called you to do. Now watch what it says. This is good stuff down in verse number 6. Let the one who's taught the Word of God share good things with one who teaches. We all got a responsibility. We work together. We, we all are part of it. Then he comes to verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So if I'm looking in that mirror and I'm like, I want to be spiritual, but all I get is soup and not steak. There's something wrong. If every time that I'm ministering, it always comes out the same way with nothing really going on, it could be that you're doing this, that, that you're, you're praying for the, for the harvest and watch this, and you're not, the, ooh, you're not praying about the sowing. You say, what do you mean? Look on the screen. Look on the screen. Thank you, brother. You're doing a great job. It's not the reaping that determines your harvest. It's the sowing. You say, what do you mean? For if you sow to the flesh, now watch this. If you sow to the flesh in verse 8, you'll reap from the flesh, flesh corruption. 
You see, the truth is what you sow to. And I want to tell you, some of you need to be sowing into your families instead of taking them to every place in the world. You will not be able to be affected by buying the way with them. You'll not be able to be event-driven to get them there. It's only going to be in the essential values of life. When you do that, when you sow to the Spirit, you will the Spirit reap life. Now, I'm not getting on you. I love you. I watch you when you get in the Spirit. Don did so well teaching the Spirit in our last quarterly meeting. I called him this week. I said, Don, you got to do it again. Like, what, me? And if you, listen, I can't wait for you to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Pastor Chris preached on Wednesday night. Let me tell you something. I had, and Pastor Eric was blowing it up on the other side in the Spirit. I just got to hang out. I ran over there. He was soaking wet. You were soaking wet because he got in the Spirit and obeyed the Spirit of God. If you sow, because I watched him struggle all week long, digging in the Word of God, getting angry, getting mad, fighting through it, fasting, praying, interceding. We need warriors. And he says, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. So let's get righteous. When you get righteous, then you can stand up in front of the mirror and you look at that mirror and somebody will send you a note, and it'll humble you. You ministered to me. You bore my burden. You carried my sorrow. You were Jesus to me. There's one last thing you should give your life to because it's right here in the Scripture. You must focus on a lifetime of relationship. A li- watch this. A lifetime of relationships. You see, all your lifetime, you're going to meet people that are going to demand of you that watch this, that you watch you living above the trenches, but that you come down. This week, God allowed me to intervene in a moment that was not of me, but was of God. I intervened, and well, you know how God blessed me? I'm sure now we're going to go to Griffin Thursday on our date. We were not going to Kroger. We were going to Griffin. I had eight questions I was going to ask. We do it twice, well, at least twice a year. And because that, that I was there in that moment and stayed longer than I intended, God kept us. I guarantee we'd have been in Hobby Lobby when the roof came off. I ask Chris, you cannot outgive God if you just obey. They were blessed. I was blessed. We were in a place of safety that we would not have been in. You say, preacher, that's just not me. Look what the Scripture says. Do not grow weary. The scripture says, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't quit. So my Bible says, if you don't give up, same thing. The New Living Translation says, if you you don't get tired of doing good. Do you ever just stand in front of that mirror and wonder if it's ever going to work? Just stand there like, I give God, I go, I'm growing, and you give me cancer. God, I, I serve you. I do all that I know to do. I work, I work 16 hours a day, and I, I go to my church, and I serve. I go on missions. I do all these things that I can. We've lived our life in faithfulness in this. See, here's the problem. If you were teetering in your life in the no man's land, and you're about to fall in the trench, when the big trial comes, you'll fall in if you're not prepared. You say, well, what in the world do you mean? Look in verse 10 of the text. He says this. This is so, so amazing in verse number 10. He says this, so then as we have opportunity. You see, there's always going to be people that, that are going to get themselves out of joint. And you and I will be that sometimes. There will always be opportunity to restore them if we walk in righteousness. But if you get down in the trench and you're not, listen to this, spiritual, you can't make it. 
You say you can't make you can't make it if you're not spiritual because what's happening you're walling in. It's one man trying to help another man get out of the, out of the, out of the rut and he can't do it. It's one woman trying to help another. It's a mama trying to help her children. Dad trying to help his wife. And there they are. They're all right there together. You're really trying hard. I, I give you a clap. I say thank. I, I appreciate that you, you you're just not putting it on somebody else. You want to bear your load. But God didn't intend for you to bear the load apart from the Spirit. He spent five chapters saying submit, submit, submit. Get Spirit filled. Spent five chapters. And you read that one verse and you say, it's my load. It's not your load. It's not your load. So I challenge you today to look in the mirror. He said, let, let us, watch this, as we have opportunity to do good to everyone and especially to those in this house. I believe that for some of you now, the biggest struggle of your life is this, is that you don't know what's your opportunity because you're struggling with the Spirit. Mama, don't grow weary. Those kids are your opportunity. Dad, don't grow weary. Those kids and your spouse is your opportunity. Single, single people in this room, your singleness is the greatest opportunity in the world. Do you know that 50% of people today are either in their second or third marriage? There's single people everywhere. This is your opportunity. When the winds came and the flood came to our city and the tornado came, God spoke to all of us on this team and said, it's our opportunity. You see, this is your opportunity today. And listen to me. If you'll listen to the Spirit, you know what He'll tell you? He'll tell you every seven days to slow down. He'll tell you every seven days to get your rest. He'll tell you to put your family first before anything else. He'll, not, he'll tell you to do what you're supposed to. And, and, and Michael Caldwell, you didn't feel a bit of conviction because you didn't need to because you're doing that. Amen? We've talked through that. He's doing what He needs to do. And, and if you're doing what you need to do, that, hallelujah, rejoice. But don't go home today if you're not spiritual without doing what you need to do to become spiritual. Thank you for tuning in to this message today. To find out about all of our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Until next time, may God richly bless you.